Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is the holiday season, so make sure Leon Tailoring is on your gift list. That's right, get somebody a nice suit, jacket, shirt, tie, skirt, blouse, coat, or perhaps get them a Leon Tailored gift certificate. That way they can go pick out the actual clothes that they want. Hey, like I said, this is the season, the season to give Leon Tailoring. It's a perfect gift. Actually, you can kind of give all year round, but we're happy to have you at Christmas time or any other time of year. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, and downtown Indianapolis. Well, with election year right around the corner, literally just days away, we figured we'd take a little little time. Whoops, let me start up again. Uh, coming in three, two, one. Well, with the election right around the corner, 2024, we got a presidential race, U.S. Senate race, gubernatorial race, and every other race and his mother on the on the on deck. And so we figured we'd do some talk with our pollster, Andrew Weissert. Uh, Andrew is a pollster of ARW Strategies uh, in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and Andrew's a really good pollster. We figured we'd have a conversation about uh, what to look for with polling data, how to trust it, how to consume it. So, Andrew, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. It's, uh, it's fun to talk polling and uh, always a pleasure to talk polling with you. All right. And by the way, Andrew has been my pollster uh, for the last few years, so he's done a really good job uh, predicting races here uh, in Indiana. So, Andrew, once again, I appreciate you being with us. So uh, help our audience out here. Uh, number one, why do people poll to begin with? Let's start there. Well, why do well, so I think there's a couple different reasons. Um, and and I, I'd say there's two big ones. And, and this is for public purposes, but also for private purposes. Um, and, and this gets to the crux of what do you do with a poll? And, and the public polling uh, is, is usually looked at for, uh, you know, what, what people find interesting is, is the horse race. And that's the head-to-head ballot or job approvals. Um, but what you're trying to do is, is get a snapshot at what a larger uh, population or body of people think. And so whether that's politics, in which case uh, what we're talking about here, or, you know, it could be something even just like consumer research about, you know, what color do you like on your shampoo brand? Um, but in the political realm, um, the horse race is always the one that, that sort of the public latches onto from a private standpoint, though, what a candidate or a campaign or, you know, an outside group, a super PAC does is, is typically because they want to take a look at, OK, if we're at point A, how do we get to point B? And usually that's, you know, we support a candidate and a candidate's at 40 percent in the polls. Well, how do we get to 50 percent? Is that a combination of positive messages or negative messages? But polling itself is done so you can take an assessment of where things stand uh, in the larger public opinion. And it's a smaller sample that's statistically based uh, that allows you to make larger inferences about a larger group of people. So, my friend, walk us through the polling process from the from the time you get the phone call to the time the results are released. Yeah, so what you're going to do, and it, it's going to depend, um, I, I guess what I the best way to do it is, is sort of talk about, you know, how you and I do uh, are polling together. And typically what that starts with is a conversation about, okay, wh- what are you trying to poll? Is that, uh, is it about what voters in the state of Indiana think? Is it what uh, all adults, so not just registered voters, but non-registered voters, uh, think in the city of Indianapolis? And so you start to develop some basic parameters there. And it's, 
again, it's geographically based. There's age considerations. There's voter registration considerations. And, and you start with the sample because we need to figure out what is the larger audience looks like, look like. And then from there, we can take a, we can figure out what our smaller sample needs to look like. Um, you and I will sit and we'll discuss then also, uh, what's the goal? What are you trying to find out now? Uh, you know, you and I are going to look at, okay, what's the, uh, the governor race look like, or what is the Indianapolis mayor's race look like? Um, you know, who's winning, uh, what are the undecideds look like? How are Republicans doing with their base voters? How are Democrats doing with their base voters? Um, but then the other thing you could talk about is what issues are important? Or if you're a private campaign uh, or, you know, um, private polling for a certain client, it could be uh, let me uh, let me test some opposition messaging on our opponent or test our own vulnerabilities or talk about uh, certain um, messages or campaign themes that we want to run on and look at which work best. Uh, and so we're going to evaluate what those goals are, and then the pollster will go through and they'll run, they'll put together a draft of an instrument um, based on what they think accomplishes those object- objectives. Um, if it is just the horse race, it's as simple as, you know, if the election for Indiana governor were, were held today, uh, would you vote for Republican candidate A or Democrat candidate B? Um, if it's about messaging and issues, uh, you know, there's there's sort of a, an art to it um, that the pollster will add their own flavor to. Um, and then we'll do, we'll review, and, and obviously the client will sign off on it. And then we go into the field. Um, we have certain methodologies that we use over time. Those have changed. Uh, if you go back to sort of the beginning of polling, uh, people used to do it via mail survey. So you'd send out thousands of, uh, you know, letters or postcards out and, and wait for those responses to come back. That's evolved now to where typically polling's done via phones or online panels or text messages. Um, but you can do it a lot more rapid now. And so you go out and you collect a representative sample uh, which is, you know, statistical statistics jargon, um, and you collect a representative sample of that target demographic that you're trying to uh, infer insights into, uh, and we collect a bunch of surveys, and and then we will balance it uh, and present a report of our findings. Now, my friend, one of the things that I always hear from people is how can you and our and our guest of the program today is uh, Andrew Weiser, ARW Strategies, uh, my pollster. Uh, so we're trying to sort of doing a polling 101 in the sense that with, with the with elections next year, we said presidential races, gubernatorial races, U.S. Senate races, no matter where you are, where you live, somebody's going to be polling somewhere. And so we figured to, to help uh, you folks be better consumers of this information, we figured we'd talk about polling. polling. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, help me out here. Uh, when, we t- when we look at polling, uh, how can you how do you how do you sort of how do you how do you pick your sample size and put it that way how do you figure out you know african american rich poor the whole education the whole nine yards well so that that's where sort of the, the science can come down to it with uh with with election polling versus uh maybe say uh you know consumer polling um if you're looking at something just with registered voters well the easiest way is to then go and say okay well how many registered voters are there? How many are, are male? How many are female? Uh, okay, well, if it's 50-50, we know we need a sample that looks 
you know, 50% female, 50% male. Um, where it gets a little more tricky is when you try and uh, model out or predict what the model of an electorate is going to look like. Um, you know, a good example for that uh, would be 2016, where a lot of public polling um, kind of got it wrong um, or people believe it was wrong. Now, that's a whole other issue where you can talk about uh, cluster polling and, and herd mentality and, and how people modeled their electorates. Um, but but you have to the pollsters are paid and this is where they make their money on correctly predicting what that model will look like. And this is where polling often gets it, quote unquote, wrong is when they have their model wrong. And so that could be something where, you know, the electorate is actually 55 percent women, um, but their poll only has 50 percent women. And so you're short you're sort of shortchanging uh, a demographic. You can have uh, age mistakes. You can have party mistakes where, you know, a poll in Indiana, um, if it's a statewide poll, maybe comes back where, uh, you know, Republic, the, the Republican and Democrats making up the sample are close to equal. Um, and in a state like Indiana, that's not true. It's a Republican state. And so there needs to be more Republicans in your sample than Democrats. Um, and so usually that will will work itself out. Um, but as I referenced in 2016, where people ran into mistakes, um, they underrepresented a lot of the Trump base. And that was because uh, a lot of public pollsters incorrectly modeled what the electorate would look like. And so uh, the sample is is super critical because that's where, um, you know, you are trying to get what is representative of what you're trying to show uh, the larger inferences on. And so uh, if you get the sample right, typically your data is going to be pretty close to accurate. Uh, if you get the sample wrong, uh, you could come back with some funky numbers that people are going to look at and go, well, how'd you end up with that? Polling must be broken. Polling must be wrong. I don't trust it. Uh, and that's not good for anybody. Our guest in the program today is Andrew Weissert, pollster with ARW Strategies, my pollster. I like to call him that. Uh, as we talk about polling uh, with 2024 right around the corner and all the poll, all the polling data and information uh, that'll be out. Uh, Andrew, uh, when we talk about political polling in particular, there's always always say, you know, look, hey, look at the sample size. How many people did the survey? But also look at where they registered voters or where they likely voters, because to me, that makes a major difference. Absolutely. I mean, if you go, uh, you know, look at say a presidential election 2020, um, you know, you only had about 75 percent nationally registered voters that voted. And so the difference between a registered voter sample and a likely voter sample uh, could come down to, you know, one in four of those people not actually showing up. And so your your registered voter sample could look very different from your likely voter. Um, you know, where I'm from in Illinois, uh, and this is true in most places, in an off-year election, uh, you only end up with like 50% of registered voters showing up to vote in a non-presidential year election. And so the difference in what the uh, the profile of registered voters looks like to what the uh, the people who actually voted uh, looks like can be very different. It can sometimes in an off year uh, typically favor Republicans. These are sort of stereotypes. It's typically going to be a little older uh, because a lot of younger people don't vote in off year elections. Uh, and so if your sample is off, again, you're going to get uh, incorrect uh, snapshots of, of where things actually stand. Um, and 
If you're looking ahead to 2024, if you look at the polling right now, at least for the presidential, uh, you see sort of a mixed blend of public polling available that is registered from likely voters. Um, at this far out, you know, likely voter samples can be a little hard to pin down because there's so many variables that could happen between now and then. Uh, and so registered voters isn't a bad thing uh, and, you know, is a helpful, useful tool. Uh, but as you get closer and, you know, say middle towards the end of summer, uh, if you're looking at polling that's still registered voters, um, you know, you're looking at polling that probably is a little off and certainly into the fall any poll that's registered voters is not going to be nearly as accurate as something that's of likely voters because those post pollsters are going to be taking into account people who are actually voting uh, and not the one in four who are likely to stay home. And it's funny you bring that up because uh, my thing about uh, the national polls uh, on Donald Trump, Joe Biden and, and all the other Republicans has been I, know, should, I, I don't necessarily put a whole lot of stock in polling this early. I, I just don't, because, like I said, too many things can change between now and then. And that's one thing on national poll number two. I'm more, inter- more interested, uh, if we are going to poll this early, in state polls and national polls. Yeah, national polls are a little tough because, look, uh, you know, best example would be 2016. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton won the national vote by like two points, but obviously didn't win the actual electoral uh, election uh, with because that's not how – the United States votes. And so states like California, New York, Illinois, uh, they're massive states that go very heavy Democrat. And those the, the votes that come out of those states are disproportionately Democrat and boost those samples. So actually, when you look at national polling, uh, what you really want to look at is, is kind of an electorate that's sort of a, a D plus two or three is really where you get into sort of toss up range. Uh, if, if the national voting, uh, the national polling has, you know, say, we speak hypothetically at this point, it's probably a, you know, a Joe uh, Biden, Donald Trump rematch, um, you know, that's the, the odds on favored at this point. If, if Joe Biden is up by three points or more, that's a good territory for he and him to be in. Uh, but if it's only about Joe Biden plus two or a Joe Biden plus one, uh, you're actually you're looking at that's, that's probably a Donald Trump win, um, or at least he's favored to win. But, yes, I, I think the national polling, it has its utility. But but really what you want to look at are sort of the battleground states, um, because, you know, even though uh, Joe Biden won sort of a D plus four with the national voting, uh, really, it only came down to what, like 30,000 votes in about three states. Uh, this last time around. So really, you want to focus on sort of those battleground states and what that polling is saying, because it's only going to be probably four or five states that really decide the election. Andrew Weiser with us, uh, ARW Strategies, my pollster, talking about polling in 2024 and uh, and everything else uh, sort of in between. Uh, Andrew, uh, one other thing, too, I also noticed about uh, sort of the sort of the poll polling data is that whole thing about the margin of error. What does that mean? So that is, it's essentially, um, it's statistics. Uh, and so the margin of error, um, when you look at a poll, uh, because you are not actually talking to every single voter or person, part of the sample you're trying to represent, uh, let's you know use Indiana and you're trying to talk about the Indiana governor's race, because you're not talking to every single voter, uh, you unfortunately leave room in statistics 
uh, for a little bit of an error. And so in a place like Indiana, if you survey, you know, say 600 people, uh, typically you're going to end up with a margin of error of about 4%. And what that means is that if you take, uh, you know, we'll say Governor Holcomb's job approval and uh, say it's at 50%, uh, and that's just sort of a made-up number. If it's 50% and the margin of error is four, uh, what that actually means is uh, via statistics, that margin of error could be four points in either direction. And so if your your poll says 50%, uh, what it really means is that his approval is anywhere from uh, 46 to 54%. Uh, and so there is a, a room for error, a margin of error. Uh, the other thing that you'll also notice is a confidence interval. Uh, and again, that's just that's based on statistics uh, and that statistics are not perfect 100 percent of the time. But what, what's standard in polling is a confidence interval of 95 percent, which basically says that 19 out of 20 times or 95 out of 100 times, uh, the the data you get is accurate, uh, but five out of 100 or one out of every 20 polls you see statistically are going to fall outside the standard margin of error. Uh, and it's just it's it, it unfortunately is the law of averages and, and part of statistics. Uh, it's not the pollster's fault, uh, but you get a screwy sample and you just it, it's a part of life. It's a part of polling uh, that one out of every 20 polls. Uh, has some anomaly within the data where you just didn't collect uh, an accurate representation of of uh, what you were looking for. Andrew Weitzer with us, uh, ARW Strategies, talk about polling in 2024. Andrew, uh, one thing I always hear uh, with polling is, is, the, is the classic line, well, I don't know how this is accurate. No one ever called me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that goes back to the margin of error and, and statistics in the sample uh, and I'd love to go and talk to every single voter, but that's cost prohibitive uh, and frankly, just impossible because uh, most people will you know, complain about, well, nobody ever called me. Well, even if we did call you, I can tell you from, from response rates that we see uh, that even if I did call you, you probably weren't going to answer the poll anyways. Uh, and so what statistics allows us to do is make larger inferences about a, a body of people uh, by taking a smaller representative sample. And so, um, you know, in a state like Indiana, I don't need to talk to everybody who's going to vote in the in the gubernatorial election. Uh, I actually can be uh, on very sound ground statistically by just talking to, you know, 600 people or 700 people uh, and getting a, a scientifically sound sample uh, of what the larger group thinks. Oh, when we talk about uh, my friend's sort of sample size, what's a what's a good sample size when we talk about polling? Is it is it three hundred people? Is it four hundred? I've always found for me between four and six hundred is usually a good number because after that, uh, less than four hundred is usually not enough. More than six hundred, you start getting a lot of diminishing returns. So what you're going to see it depends on on the size of the the pool of people that you are trying to survey. So. Uh, what I mean by that is in a state like Indiana, uh, a statewide survey, um, if you're looking at, you know, basic top line data, um, 600 is going to be a pretty good number of respondents. Uh, if we're surveying a city like Indianapolis, uh, you don't need 600. You can get away with, you know, 400. 
um, which is, you know, what we've done in the municipal elections this last year, you and I, uh, with the polling we did for the mayor's race. Um, but in a state like Illinois, which is larger, uh, typically, you know, you can get away with 600, but a better sample would be 800. Um, but you're right. Once we get to a certain amount, um, you know, in Illinois, 800 would be great. I don't need to go get 2,000, though. Once you get past 1,000, uh, the only reason you would do that is because you're interested in the cross-tab data. So you're interested in breaking down subsets uh, very granularly, and you need more interviews uh, because if, you know, you, you want to look at 18 to 34-year-olds, um, you know, you need a larger subset of 18 to 34-year-olds so that your margin of error isn't larger. But if you're looking at top lines in Indiana, something like 600, uh, if you got 800, that'd be great. Um, but that, again, would be if you're trying to go, you know, pretty into the weeds and maybe uh, drawing inferences out of, say, the Fort Wayne media market, uh, where, you know, it's somewhere in the 10 to, you know, 12 percent range of a statewide survey. Uh, obviously, you start getting down into the weeds. If it's only 600, you're not talking about nearly as many people on a granular level out of Fort Wayne. And so you would want a larger sample there. Um, but broadly speaking, 600 in Indiana is good. 400 in Indianapolis is good. Uh, you just you don't need much more than that. A, a sample of 2000 people in Indiana, Indianapolis is just overkill. Now, one thing, one thing, one thing, too, my friends, we're going to sort of wind down our conversation uh, has always been sort of what we consider outliers. I remember we did some polling and some numbers came back that you and I had to like, whoa, is that, are you sure that's right? Like, yep, that's right. Okay. Okay. What the heck just happened that day? Well, and that's where one day samples, it, we, what we say in sort of the polling industry, you say, well, those, those numbers are hot. Uh, they're, they're a little weird. And you're like, eh, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't pass the sniff test. Now, from a scientific snapshot, you, uh, and statistically speaking, you never want to act like that. But obviously, you sort of you, you know things, um, and, and I use parentheses around that. And a good way would be, well, we're going to interview uh, likely voters in Indiana, and it comes back, and it's a sample that's 50% Democrat. Well, that's never happened in Indiana, where 50% of the electorate was Democrats, you know, something dramatic would need to happen. And so you just know that that's not right. And that's where typical, typically with polling, you're going to want to do things over two to three nights. It smooths out the samples. It removes some of those irregularities uh, and things even out over the course of two to three nights. Andrew Weiss is ARW strategist with us for a few more minutes on the program. Talk about polling in 2024. Uh, Andrew, I think uh, before we wind up our conversation, we, 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 we cannot stress this enough because whenever we do our interviews, we, we always tell people this. A poll is not a prediction. It is a snapshot in time. That I cannot stress that enough. And I, I have uh, long conversations uh, with clients, private clients about that. You know, polling is a snapshot in time. It's a useful tool to evaluate, you know, the awareness of a candidate, an issue or an election. Um, it's it's an instrument that you can use to help land the plane, uh, so to speak. But it is not a predictor of future behavior. It is not a guarantee of a, of a certain outcome. Uh, and so, yes, a, a poll today could say that Republicans are going to win the governor race by five points. Uh, but what actually may happen is 
you know, a scandal breaks or things revert to the mean or just uh, millions of dollars are spent on campaigns and the Republican wins by 15 points. Uh, that is not a bad poll, you know, 12 months prior. That's just a, a snapshot in time at that particular uh, week or day. Uh, and people always need to be aware of that. And and for, you know, two to three percent to be undecided a couple weeks out, that's not uncommon. Um, but obviously there's no undecided voters uh, when when votes are counted. And so, um, yeah, polling is not a predictor and, and it is never a guarantee of anything. Uh, my friend, uh, how about uh, the, the thing about uh, the old days when, when Gallup would call or Postal would call, they, they call a landline. Now people got their, their their cell phones. We got text messaging. A lot of folks won't pick up a line, pick up a pick up a number uh, that they don't recognize. So how do, how do pollsters accommodate for that? Well, you got to unfortunately make more phone calls. Uh, is is the reality, and uh, and that's something that um, you know polling is constantly evolving. And I, I made the comment um, at the beginning uh, when we were talking that. You know, it, it started with mailers, you know, back in like the 19, uh, I think it was 1915 or whatever. Uh, and, and it was a mailer that would go out. And that's evolved to telephones where people would be much more willing to, to answer live telephones. In the early 2000s, we got into automated surveys. Um, but now, you know, landlines really uh, are are. I don't want to say a relic of the past, but not many people have landlines anymore. So you need to figure out how do you get people? Well, people have cell phones. So now text message surveys have become a lot more prevalent. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, to answer your question, you, you got to make more phone calls. You have to send more text message surveys. Um, and but, you know, sometimes uh, and, and this has happened before. Uh, you know, we've told clients, look, we, we said we thought we could get this sample. Uh, unfortunately, it's just it's it, we can't. Um, there's not enough numbers to dial. There's not a you know, it's a small uh, it doesn't happen in a statewide race usually. But, uh, you know, state house races or a city council race, there's just not enough people to call to get a scientifically sound sample. Um, that's not very common. Um, but you're right. It, it's a challenge to get people to answer interviews, um, especially when you have 50, 60 question surveys. And so typically you in a smaller sample size or a smaller pool of people, uh, you want to ask fewer questions. Um, and and unfortunately, the client has to pay for it when you got to make more phone calls. My friend, how do you how do you how do you, how do you uh, deal with the fact that sometimes people lie? Well, uh, that, that's a tough question to answer because I think um, it, it happens, uh, but uh, it doesn't happen enough where the margin of error really isn't, uh, doesn't take that into account. And so it's a very, very small percentage of people that will lie. Uh, most people would rather just not answer the survey. Uh, or they don't complete it. They get bored after two to three questions, and so then you have an incomplete interview. Um, but it's not enough people that lie uh, that it usually affects uh, any of what you're doing. And and I know there are instances where, uh, you know, with text messages too, uh, especially because you have a link that gets sent to somebody's phone, uh, people will try and share that link, and so then you get a bunch of people trying to to mislead the pollster. 
Um, that usually doesn't work because typically when somebody sends a, a, a text message survey, um, there's a unique identifier to just that phone. And so, you know, 50 people could get a hold of that link and, and answer, but that's a unique survey to just one phone number. And if we get 50 responses to that one link, uh, they're all disregarded. All right. Well, I guess the program today has been our good friend, Andrew Weiser, uh, pollster extraordinaire, does my polling for me. Uh, Andrew, my friend, as always, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to have with you. Have yourselves a good holiday. And by the way, we will be calling you again to, to do some polling in the Republican primary in May for governor. So well, FYI. Well, glad to join you. Hopefully this uh, this is helpful to everyone. You know, I think the, the things I would stress uh, and stress again and stress again is is what we talked about. Polling is not uh, a predictor. It is just a snapshot in time. And if you're looking at, you know, any sort of forecast into what's going to happen uh, in the presidential race, um, you know, it's sort of a fool's errand. But but look to the battleground states. Uh, look to see what's happening in a Wisconsin, a Georgia, a Michigan, a Pennsylvania and Arizona. Uh, that's that's sort of your bellwethers about what's going to happen. Those are the battlegrounds. Uh, keep an eye on those. Um, but it's been fun. Thanks for uh, for giving me the chance to talk about polling. And uh, you have a, a, a happy holidays as well. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.